0: I didn't have anywhere to hook this because it's made for men. Yes, down with it. No, not really. <laughs> um, I'm excited to be back. I This is my first time back at church for since March, so that's cool. Yeah, it feels, feels the same but different. And um, it's really weird driving through town when you haven't been in town and you're like, oh, look at that tree. Oh, they've planted And the next, like... Oh yeah, you haven't seen any of this. (laughs) So I have been out to two places. Maya once, like last week, and Trader Joe's in the middle of the whole thing because I was going stir-fry crazy. (laughs) So we went down to Trader Joe's. That was our exciting trip. Um, I didn't have a title for tonight's talk other than identity, but that's a huge topic, obviously. So you'll have to just bear with me and see where I go with it, because um, there's a specific angle that I want to talk about. Um, but I'm going to start with a story tonight about my husband. <laughs> um, when we, I, I can't remember if it was before or after we heard we were moving to Indiana, but um, his big brother decided that they needed, he and his two brothers needed to go on a big adventure with a big B and a big A. So a big adventure together. And um, his big brother paid for the three of them to go and um, climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So this was their big adventure as brothers. And um, I allowed him to do that. And he and he had a he, it was a very big adventure because he kind of almost died of a bacteria, which is not as exciting as falling off the mountain or whatever. But um, he was pretty sick all the way up, and when he got back home, he was told by the doctor that he had a notifiable disease, and so he was very ill actually. Um, and he also grew a great beard, which because he was away, because when you go up Kilimanjaro, you have to like go there and then you have to go to base camp and then you have to acclimatize and then go up and come down again and all of that stuff. So it's quite a, a whole, the whole thing. It's quite a big deal. Um, his beard was way longer than Bill's beard is right now. But you're getting there, Bill. Anyway, I wouldn't kiss him when he got home until he had shaved, which he was very disappointed about. Yeah. So see how long he lasts, Susie. Yeah. <laughs> Nick only lasted about like two hours, and he was like, okay, I'm gonna shave it off, I need a kiss, (laughs) so yeah. Um, So Nick has an adventurous heart, he enjoys adventure, and um, I think most men would probably take up an adventure like that, and probably quite a lot of women too. Um, Now, I'm wanting tonight to compare Nick to someone who some of you may know. He used to come to Kingdom Life. His name is Luke Hall, and he was a Taylor student, and he graduated um, years, a few years ago. Um, but Luke Hall used to come to Kingdom Life, and while he was at Taylor, we discovered something about him. Was it his climbing wall? Yes. We discovered something about him because we have a barn, and students like to store things in our barn, either when they go away for the summer or when they leave. And they'll say, oh, could I just keep it there, and I'll figure out how to get it, and then it stays there forever. (laughs) The Hefts know about this really well, yeah. Um, And so his climbing wall ended up in our barn (laughs) for quite a long time. Um, He also had, he didn't store any of this stuff in our barn, but he also had a whole lot of other equipment, equipment, a really fancy bicycle and all the cycling gear, um, really fancy camera and all of the gear that goes with that. And then he got a snowboard, and I'm sure he had a whole lot of other stuff. But after he graduated, Luke um, was very lucky to get a job um, taking tours around Europe, cycling tours. So he basically got to travel, get paid to travel and cycle, which he was really great at. And then he discovered that he was really good at doing that. And so he started running tours, doing other things like snowboarding. And he would take photographs while doing this. And um, if you go on his Instagram feed now, you will see Luke Hall did not have one big adventure like my husband. He is an capital A adventurer. Yeah, so his Instagram is really worth looking at. Luke Hall, I think. Anyway. We might post something on the Kingdom Life Instagram because he would love you, everyone to follow him, I'm sure. So um, the point that I'm trying to make with these two stories is that um, there's a difference between loving doing something or what you do and who you are. So Nick loves adventuring, but he isn't necessarily defined by being an adventurer. There's many other things he would call himself being defined by. And um, in life, what we do and who we are are two very different things. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. Because um, what we do is really a goal-oriented thing. Whereas life is more about just reaching goals. Um, Who you are is how you live every day. And I think who we are um, in life, who we are starts from when you're born. You're kind of defined in the beginning, in a sense, by what your parents decided. And so you are defined by your DNA and perhaps where you are born and where you grow up um, or how you grow up. And our identity in that sense is set for us to begin with. But after that, um, after that time of um, early life, as we, uh, be- we gain independence, we start to decide, who am I? And it's not, not so much what your parents decide anymore. And as we get older and older, we find that who we are, it's either set by um, things that happen to us and we just allow them to happen to us, or we choose who we are. And most often when you choose who you wanna be, it's out of some kind of longing or some kind of passion or desire. And that might look really different for many people. But um, today I wanna use some examples um, in terms of what makes you who you are. The first is marriage. And another is parenting. And I'm sorry if you're not married or have children yet, but you'll be able to use these as in other aspects of your life. Um, when you get married, for example, you build up to that point, and it comes out of generally a, a choice that you're making. And the day before you get married, you really are the same person as the day after you get married. Nothing really changes overnight, but you are now married. And so in society's eyes, in your eyes, in everybody's eyes, you are a different person in a sense. But you're still the same person the next day. And it's the same with being a, becoming a parent. You kind of have this time to prepare, and you have some time to learn, and you kind of try and... Get all the information you can but the day after you have your baby you're still the same person as you were the day before often it's quite a shock (laughs) because you're like i was not prepared (laughs) and in a way it's the same uh, it's the same at in our relationship with god because our relationship with him when we come to a decision to know him and to choose him, it's a choice and something happens in terms of who you are, but you're still the same person as before you prayed the prayer. And so in all of those examples, you can extrapolate that to many things in life. Like Graduating high school the day before or the day after, or college, or moving to a new state, or moving... You know, any kind of life transition, it begins with a choice, and you, your identity in, as such is changed by some kind of rite of passage, whether it's a celebration or a birth. Society has this way of trying to prepare us for those changes, And so you'll often do a marriage counseling session like Giselle and Ryan are doing with us, or um, read tons of parenting books, um, or read about the town you're moving to. And you kind of um, learn as much as you can about it. Um, But it's in the stepping into being that new person and living it that you become that person. And so we can read the Bible all we want, and we can um, learn about God all we want, but actually we don't know what it says in here is real until we've experienced it with him. And that is something that you learn your whole, through your whole life. And so, for example, my friend Katie um, got married many years ago now. Um, She was my bridesmaid at my wedding, and she married a guy who was obsessed with sports and just loved sports, was a great sportsman, and she knew that about him. She knew that he loved sports, and she would, you know, when you're dating, you do all kinds of crazy stuff, like watch basketball with a guy and, you know, that kind of thing, (laughs) because you really want to impress him. Well, she knew that about him, but she didn't realize how much he was into sport passionate about it, when all he wanted to do on honeymoon was stay in bed and watch sports TV. And they had a massive falling out on their honeymoon, because she was, she was like, well, I knew he liked it, but not that much. <laughs> and it's the same with having a baby, or getting married, or, you know, anything. You go, the experience of the daily life of it is going to throw you some curveballs. There's going to be things that you're like... It, I, I kind of thought I understood that about God, but I don't get it now. so what about his justice? Like, oh yeah, that sounded great when I was learning about it, but I'm in the situation and there's an injustice, and why is he not coming through? you know and so there's things like this that start to work out as we live. And so what I wanted to challenge us um, in today is is our faith is our faith as defined as it can be so many things in our life can be defined by the culture that we're in the american western culture is very goal oriented very success oriented and so sometimes we can shift in our life from our faith being something like a marriage, which, yes, you can, you can achieve things in marriage, you can work towards certain goals, but you would never say, oh, I've been married 20 years, I am now at the top of my game. Because if you've been married 20 years, you realise that it can all fall apart really fast, <laughs> and you think, wow, I thought I was doing really well at this. <laughs> It's a totally different scenario. You cannot be goal-oriented in relationships. You can have goals in relationships, like, oh, I want to spend more time together, or, you know, break it down into places you want to grow. But if you want to define yourself and a relationship by the the success of that relationship, then you're going to have crisis constantly because it's, it's a different playing field altogether. And so tonight, is our relationship with God, is a goal-oriented or is it who you are? Is it something you do or is it who you are? So there's two scriptures that I wanted just to look at briefly in this and to kind of keep drawing on as I go through. The first is Galatians 2 verse 20, which I'm sure many of you have I I remember learning this off by heart when I was in my 20s. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, So now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so um, these two verses really talk about what happens when we make that choice. And we get taught about this so much um, right right through our Christian walk, um, that you know, all the different aspects of our identity in Christ, what does it mean to be a Christian? And when we make that choice to believe, we get told that there's a spiritual transaction that takes place. You know, my sins are placed on Christ and they die with him. And I'm raised again. And scripture is absolutely full of teaching on who we are in Christ. And so there's just, I mean, if you, if you want to immerse yourself in what does that mean, who I am? What is my identity in Christ? There's so much in here to read. But what I want to really emphasize tonight is that that choice that we make that moment of spiritual transaction we are a different person but we're the same person so our spirits the old man as scripture says has been set aside has been crucified has died and we are made alive again, we're a new person. But the day after you get married, you're married and you're in love and you love this person, but you still do the same things as you did yesterday. And um, I was recently, um, I love history, Okay, I love history, and so we were studying, Emperor Constantine, and um, a lot of secular historians go on and on about how Constantine well he became a Christian overnight on the battlefield because he saw a vision, and um, but he must have not really meant it because he went on and did all these really non-Christian things. <laughs> but the point was yes he became a Christian through a vision, but he had he had no teaching. He had been brought up in a secular. Well, in a Roman culture, and he had to learn. And so, in a we were lucky in a Christian college, you learn that yes, Constantine did do some horrific things, you know, and he was, did compromise. But as he grew and got older, he changed those ways. And we, as Christians, recognise when you're a new Christian, there's character traits that you would expect in a. Um, a Christian who's been, you know, known God for 20 years. But you you wouldn't hold that standard for a brand new Christian. Say somebody who became a Christian in prison. You know, um, when I was in England, I was running prison ministry for a church and I would meet many men who had come out of prison and they had just met Christ in prison. And in England, they do not have a church culture. So these men had never been to church in their lives. In fact, Jesus... They probably only heard Jesus at Christmas and even then maybe not because you don't really say that anymore around Christmas and so they had no idea about him and and yet they had this burning desire to please God because they had met him they had met him by the Holy Spirit um, and this is something that I love and I know that Lisa will say this you know when you do cross-cultural ministry and you're in churches around the world, and you're standing next to someone who comes from a totally different culture to you, and yet they will, you can see the Holy Spirit moving in them in exact, you recognize it, it's like they're part of your family, and yet they're singing a song in a completely different language, different culture, it's an African song, and yet the Holy Spirit's moving in them, and you recognize it, it's like a bond, and and so... When you become a new Christian, you're born into a family, and you may not act in the ways that culturally Christian people would act. Um, We had young people come into our church through a youth mission in England who had never been in church, and they would clap after every worship song, because it was like being at a concert, and they would be like, whoa, 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 like this after each worship song, and the old ladies were kind of freaking out. they were not acting like you're supposed to act in church, but they were full of the joy of that worship. And so um, we, have, you know, we have these standards, and we understand that you grow in Christ. But sometimes we um, judge ourselves according to different, a different idea of what it looks like to be a Christian. And I think when you've been a Christian for a while, and you've absorbed the culture around you that says, "Well, this is what it looks like to be a great Christian," you start to hold yourself up to those standards, and and you kind of say, "Well, um, you know, if I have doubts about God, because He's not speaking to me, then I'm probably failing. I or if I am struggling with depression." then I'm probably failing because I'm supposed to have the joy of the Lord in me at all times. And we kind of tell ourselves or create these ideas in our mind of what a a kind of goal-oriented faith. Like, these are the top 10 things that I want to do this year to become a a better child of God. And I know that in marriage, um, I can do that we can do that together, we can have goals in our marriage, but if you start to define a marriage by the top 10 things that you should be doing, life is gonna throw you off. And that doesn't mean it doesn't get better, just like in your walk with, with Christ, you, you learn and you grow. But I have to say, you know, after, I'm trying to think, um, 23 years of being a Christian, um you know you would think well i probably have it down you know the basics i should know what to do in crisis i should know how to pray i know how to read my bible ask for help all of those things five c's you know counsel confession blah, blah, blah. um and then you and then life throws you something like starting a new business and you Realize that you're completely useless at running a business, and and <laughs> seriously, like I would come home, I would come home and I would be shaking like I'd been in a car crash because everything was falling apart and I didn't know what to do, and I've never felt so much anxiety and trauma f- just through, like I felt like I was creating a mess constantly and I didn't realize how much. I had placed in my own sense of being good at things. And so that was broken down completely. And, I, and feeling, I, feeling like a failure made me feel like I was, had no value as a person. So God was teaching me something through that. But all of those 23 years for a couple of years went out the window. The 23 years of knowing how to be a good Christian, I couldn't pray. I couldn't... Think I couldn't read the Bible. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't hear God. I couldn't do anything. I was literally living in, like, from day to day, um, just coping. And marriage is like that too. Um, you can be at the top of your game in marriage, and then, and you think, well, this is great, and then something will come. It'll be a job loss or cancer, or death. It can be smaller things than that. It can be something you don't even notice and, it, and your foundation just shifts a little bit and then you realize in six months, I don't even know this person anymore. And so, I want to encourage you, goal, being goal-oriented, is great in certain areas of life, but there are certain areas of life that that, that is a, just a level. It's just a small level of thriving. Goals are great, but thriving is stepping into who you are. And so every time something is thrown at you, you're stepping into a new season of, who am I in this season? And you'll see it in parenting. You are always a mom once you've had a baby. Doesn't matter how long your baby survives, you are always a mom. Looking like a mom is gonna be different in every season. So when you are a new mom, you're gonna look like a truck hit you. (laughs) For a couple of days, and then you might take a shower. same new dad, sorry, you might be able to take a shower more often, Um, but you are still a mom or a dad, and when your child has gone to elementary school, you are suddenly going to feel like you have it all together, so you're like, wow, I can clean my house for five hours uninterrupted. (laughs) Your goals are now how to get that toilet so clean, it's cleaner than it's ever, ever been, because that's what you always wanted to do while you had little ones, and you could never get it clean. (laughs) And after a while, you'll start to think about, oh, I can do something else with my life, (laughs) which is very exciting and terrifying. And then when you have kids that are going to college, You are still a mom, but you're different. You're taking care of them and letting them go, and it's like, which one do I do right now? Do I let them go? Do I hold on to them? What do I do? (laughs) And that's really scary. Um, And then you can become an older mom, and your, your kids go somewhere else in the world. And I don't know what that will look like for me yet. But it means that I am a mom right through those times, but... Being a mom looks so different in each of those seasons. And what it looks like every day is so different. So, when you're a new mom, your whole, every moment of your day is literally meeting a need. Like, you just cannot stop meeting the needs and then you start again. And when you're a new Christian, you have to learn all kinds of things. How to read the Bible. How do I hear the Holy Spirit? Is it me? Is that. Is God really there? Does he actually exist? Was somebody trying to get me into a cult? (laughs) And when you've been a Christian 40 years and you've read the Bible, like you could, verses come in your head all day and you know where they are. You might not know where they are, but they're there. It's like part of your thought pattern because you've read it so many times and you've lived it then you might not sit down and read the Bible every day. You might still. But it's different to when, when you, every word you read is like, what? What does that even mean? It's so weird. <laughs> um, I have a love of secular literature as much as Christian, <laughs> and so um, there's an author that I love called James Clear, and he writes about habits, um, and he's, an oh stop it, <laughs> Matt makes noises in the front and I don't know what it means, <laughs> like squeak noises, um, so James Clear wrote Atomic Habits, which is a best-selling book on habits, but I, I can honestly say it changed my life. One of the things he said that I read often is this, professionals stick to the schedule, amateurs let life get in the way. Professionals know what is important to them and work towards it with purpose. Amateurs get pulled off course by the urgencies of life. And so he talks about this in terms of, of uh, uh, the secular life, things like health or our career. Um, but The key part of this is that he says, look at how many areas of our lives we make goal-oriented when it's actually supposed to be who we are. So when you are learning, when you're growing up, you know, about yourself, what you want to be, you say, oh, I really want to be a fireman, or I really want to be a writer. And as you get older, those dreams become more focused and more complex. But there's some kind of thing that happens in our brains where we think, well, if I just get to this point, if I have published a novel, then I will be a writer. But the the lie behind that is that there's so much that goes into becoming a writer that um, being a writer, if you are a writer, publishing a novel is like, oh, did that just happen? Because you have to write. Every day, a lot of hours, and you have to be really bad at writing, and you have to keep going. And you have to be so in love with writing that you write because you love writing, not because you want to publish a novel and therefore be a writer. And it's the same with health. You know, we all have this picture in our minds of, well, my perfect body would be that. And so if I follow this program, then I will become this person. And we forget that once you've done the program and become the person, unless you carry on doing the program for the rest of your life, you will stop being this person <laughs> very fast and you will become who you were before. <laughs> so a healthy person should not be a goal, being a healthy person. It should be who you are. I am a healthy person. That means that for the rest of my life, these are the things that I will do because I am a healthy person. That was, for me, that was like, what? I've been doing it wrong my whole life. I've been dieting for however long it took to get to this weight, and then I was done. (laughs) Dang it. (sighs) Instead, For me, I got to know my body and my limitations, and then I said, oh, I can actually, this is who I can be for the rest of my life, and it's sustainable. (laughs) And that changed everything. And so James Clear also says, this is, this. I love this, fall in love with boredom, fall in love with boredom, fall in love with process. Fall in love with practice and the results will be secondary. And I wanted to say that tonight when it comes to marriage and parenting and your relationship with God and anything else that you really care about, fall in love with boredom. Because if you drop out whenever you're bored, then you don't really care. I remember being a new mom and thinking, what have I done? (laughs) I am so bored. How much longer will I have to do this? (laughs) And then I realized like 15 years later that I was still doing it. And actually, I was enjoying it. I had enjoyed large parts of it. But in the very, like that first two weeks, I had this realization that I had given my life away and I was slightly terrified (laughs) by that. And actually I found many ways to be really interested in being a parent. It just took a little of adjustment in my mindset. And so you need to ask yourself, do I need to constantly be succeeding in this area of my life to believe that I am something? Do I need to be succeeding at my relationship with God to believe that I am his child? Do I need to be succeeding at my relationship with God to believe that he died for me, to believe that I am a new man in Christ? If you take this perspective, then a lot of the stuff that we read in scripture that kind of is hard to get our heads around, for example, the teaching about um, being no longer being a sinner, when you when you died with Christ and you rose again, His righteousness was given to you. You are made righteous by Christ's death. And some you'll hear some teaching that says, "Oh, well, you don't actually you can't sin anymore. Then your identity is no longer a sinner." but they're getting a little messed up there, you see, because you are no longer a sinner, but you can still sin. I can be married and act like I'm not married, but I'll still be married. And what happens then? Well, we have a crisis. (laughs) So as we live as new Christians, we might sin, but it goes against who we are. Why? Because God has put himself inside us. And so we're like, oh my gosh, this feels really bad. That's the difference. That's the change. Your identity has changed. And now when you act like your past, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right anymore. And so over time, those behaviors change. Now, if you decide to become a Christian and then you're like, okay, well, that was a great choice. I'm going to go off and just forget about that whole thing. Well, you can get married and then leave the church and go somewhere else and, and never see that person again. And in status, you're married, but you're not, you're not married. That's not who you are. It's a piece of paper. And it's the same with being a Christian. And so my question is, you've made a choice, do you choose every day? Because when you're married, when you're a parent, you choose every day. You choose either to fight against that and be like, oh, I hate, I hate this being a Christian thing, it means I have to like go to church and, you know, I can't watch Netflix, just kidding. <laughs> um, Or you can be like, I am a Christian every morning. This is who I am. I wonder what I'll learn about God today. I wonder what I'll learn about me today. And then not be like, well, if I haven't done this, this, and this, and I failed today. But let it be a journey and let it be an adventure. It's a choice every day. And you also choose to step into behavior and growth. And so when I get questions like, how do I know he's even real? Which someone asked me the other day. Because I can't hear him. Well, I know my husband's real when he goes away, and I can't get hold of him. I know he's real because I've lived a life with him, and I have a history with him. And so in the early days, that can be hard because your history is short. And, and when that happens, you get together with someone who has a long history, and they will tell you of the great things he's done. And they will tell you he's around. That's why we have each other. And I know that he's there because being God's child has made me who I am today. And so when I wake up in the morning, my story is intertwined with his now. And it will never be separated. Just like when you've had a child. Or a husband or a wife or a father or a mother. Let's pray. Father, it's so easy to make our relationship with you just another one of the things we want to be good at. And Lord, you know our hearts. And we know you delight when we want to please you. And that it's not a bad thing. Lord, teach us that our life with you is just so much more than a list of things to do. Or some kind of uh, ever-increasing... Line that we need to follow to get to some kind of destination. Lord, help us to wake up in the morning and know all we have to do is choose you and then let your love draw us. Let your love draw us into all that you have for us. Because, Lord, loving you is not something that we do, it's who we are. Lord, help us when life throws things at us. Times get hard or things change. Help us to know we are still the same. Who I am is a child of God. You might be different to us in different seasons, but you are never changing. You are always our Father, always our King, always our Savior. Lord, help us to put aside the old habits when you're drawing us into new ones, when you're saying, this is a new season. I want you to do things differently with me in this season. Help us, Lord, to listen. Holy Spirit, just give us a deep, Sense a deep understanding of the belonging that we have in your family. Just ask your blessing on everyone here tonight.